to the Making Laps Podcast. many people have tuned this off by now. Our <laughs> damn Connecticut lost Phil because of it. No, he lived in Massachusetts. <laughs> or well, Massachusetts. No, you guys are all together. I don't know. Oh, jeez. Anyway, this is the welcome back to the Making Laps podcast. I'm your host, Brent Gleason. Along with me is my brother, Jesse, who's been here for a long time. And Back with us for the first time in like 20 episodes or something is Phil Jakes. I should say his last name too, huh? But Phil Jakes, he's back with us for this episode. He is now residing in Florida, not in the sunny northeast where we live, uh, which won't be that way for long. So, yeah, as you can hear by the intro, Phil, we miss you. (laughs) And I'm so sorry. (laughs) I miss you guys too. No, he doesn't. He's living it no, up in warm and sunny Florida where it's never cold. Sunny? No. We've probably got about 37 inches of rain in the past three days. It's sunny sometime. <laughs> For five minutes. Well, I shouldn't say anything because it was literally sunny and 75 here like all day, and it was awesome. I had the doors open on the shop, working on my car, getting it ready for Stafford. And, yeah, we actually took a trip up to Thompson and got fuel. I should talk about that later. But yeah, so when is your car coming home, Phil? Uh, I gotta build some benches and some shelves because I have way more shit than I thought I did. Uh, and once I do that, I'm gonna head out and grab the car and bring it back to the back cave. So, how many cars do you actually have? One currently. I still haven't pulled the trigger on the pure stock. Ah, I think you should just stick with one for now. I mean. I know they got a good amount of dirt tracks and other stuff down there, but like, just stick with one for now. <laughs> Did he ask you about your opinion? <laughs> well, that's just, uh, you know, I'm just stuck in the world of people who buy 15X cars and then are like, I can't afford nothing. And it's like, you have a whole fleet of freaking cars. Why? Buy one awesome, <laughs> buy one good car and race that on a, in a night where it's not an enduro. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. Yeah, I know. I give these guys a lot of crap, but I started there, and let me tell you, I know what they're made of. So, <laughs> Sorry, guys. I just lost yeah, half my listeners. <laughs> I just lost half our listeners oh, anyway. We're down so. to five. Yeah, we're down to five now, probably. I don't know. <laughs> okay, we lost three. something bad about mini stocks, you lose another four. Uh, they, they're too slow, and their engines blow up too easy. That's it. We're done. <laughs> Canceled. Good, and then I don't have to do it anymore, and I can do whatever I want. So whatever. So you do what? That anyway. Yeah, what I've been doing in the meantime is getting my car ready for Stafford, like I've been talking about all year, and I've actually started finally, finally making progress. We got the engine resealed last week. I should say sealed. It's been sealed at Thompson, but they went and looked through it, and they sealed it up again for me. I believe I did that. <laughs> I don't remember if I said that on the last show, but whatever. It got sealed. 
that's a big step forward. Uh, I went today and got mm-hmm. fuel. I got like 15 gallons of fuel uh, to fill up the, at least fill up the fuel cell so that I can scale the car and get the setup done. Like the exhaust is done. Uh, let's see the engines in. Uh, I, I, I've got like two or three more things to do before I do setup and we're pretty much ready to go. Like I basically am at the point where I'm starting to think about dates. I believe I also ordered my license and, uh, I haven't registered a car number or nothing yet. I don't even know when or how to do that. So I'm going to have to talk to Stafford on that. I know Thompson is going to be racing this Tuesday and, or no Wednesday. I'm sorry. Um, I totally got that wrong. But, I, you know, I actually kind of feel bad about that because they used my car in the picture to promote our division for the upcoming they race. They just want you back. And you know what? And, I don't see any in, uh, parents' money yet. So, And I'm them. like, I really kind of feel bad because I'm not going to be there. <laughs> it's like, but Hey, at least they're doing some promoting for once. Yes. And to be fair, I had told a bunch of people, hey, I'm probably going to be taking this year or next year or however many years off from racing anyway just to get my finances back in order and stuff and be a little bit more of a family man. But, you know, so it's not really – I'm not racing because I don't want to race at Thompson. It's me not racing because I really can't afford to race full-time, so I can just kind of take one or two dates a year and pick and choose where I want to race. So it's like, well, this year I kind of picked Stafford because Thompson – was kind of in murky water and then thompson kind of walked back into the clear and i'm like well okay i mean i already committed somewhere else and well yeah i mean with the new guys coming in and doing it uh i think they're a little bit more in the clear than they were before because whatever reasons i won't speak of publicly (laughs) what do you have to say about that mr scream (laughs) well you're gonna click it or what no, I, 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 ain't, I ain't clicking. I was waiting oh. for Phil to have a rebuttal. Man, I thought you were actually because I figured he still is in the loop about Thompson and stuff. So, what is happening, Phil? I'm not gonna say anything. I don't know a whole lot about what's actually going on at Thompson currently. Uh, my my sources have dried up. Uh, Bullshit. But my my opinion no, on the matter gone. is, <laughs> I'm I'm glad that the pass and the act guys have taken the reins. Um, as soon as the previous venture that never happened was announced, I knew it was doomed. So <laughs> you and everybody else. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we don't want to try to be that big an asshole on the show, but we just can see the writing on the wall from miles away, I guess, <laughs> when nobody else wants to. I'm but, not saying anything. I'm just saying. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. I think we all felt exactly the same way. I mean, we're like, well, there's... You know what's really funny is... Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people around here are just kind of tired of hope, and they just want action at this point. And it's like, I'm, I am saw the you know the new venture come about, and I'm like, I don't want hope. I just want action. I'm, I'm done with hope. And then these two... That falls apart like we all expected it to. And then these two new guys showed in, and that's or showed up, and that's exactly the hope that we were looking for. So I was really happy that that came about. Hopefully, we can work uh, with them and get more races next year. I know they want to. I'm pretty sure they do. They can. I know they can turn this into a successful venture, like every single thing else that they've done in their uh, promotion careers. So, and they also have a lot of riding, or a lot uh, backing, and a lot riding on it, so they can really make it work. So I'm very optimistic for that. 
I've seen a bunch of Facebook posts from uh, people who used to race at well, people who I would say raced at Thompson last year who are saying that they're probably not going to race this year because they changed the tires over and they changed some rules and they don't know who the staff is. And it's like, well, I completely get that. But some of it's like, okay, um, I see a bunch of people with multiple cars and sponsors and all this other stuff and a lot of backing saying they're not running because the purse is lower and because they, they change tire sponsors. And it's like, well, you were going to have a tire sponsor anyway. Why don't you use that tire sponsor to run? So it's like there must be some underlying cause behind it that they don't want to say publicly. And that's not me. I mean, I do have I mean, tires. What about all those tires running, that, so. that you know Dave Linden Racing had to had to have in inventory? Like I, I oh my god, I must I'm have to try and get rid of them now. Holy the, shit! Yeah, that sucks for everyone. Even me, I don't. I couldn't really afford tires, but I I have tires. I've got at least like. 15 to 20 tires for Thompson or the old Thompson tires, the old American racers sitting in my garage. Like what the hell do I do with these now? And I've got like seven Hoosiers that are now legal at Stafford and Thompson. And it's like, well, this really isn't a lot, but it's a, you know, enough to go racing. So it's like, what the hell, you know, what do I do with this giant stack of tires taking up a quarter of my garage? I'm, I'm on the verge of like, giving them away to whoever races at Waterford and who the hell knows what's going to happen with them next year. Are they going to go to the same tire too? And we're just going to have like a hundred freaking tires sitting around. We can't use, I don't know. It's all questions I want answered. I don't know what anybody else's opinion on that is, but I'll open it up to the, the rest of the panel instead of me talking endlessly. Uh, I will say this about the whole tire deal is uh, I hate what happened to Lind Racing Tire and American Racer. Um, I like the American Racer tires. Obviously raced on them for a couple of years. Uh, really good, long-lasting tire. However, you never assume that you're going to be back, especially when uh, management changes, a new leasing partner comes in, any of that. Always call ahead. Yeah, I think it was just a critical oversight by the guys who are running the track now. I think it just got lost in the shuffle, to be fair. And, and, you know, I don't think it was anything really spiteful because I don't think they have any real reason to hate or dislike or, you know, anything with Daveland Racing. I mean, again, I honestly, I prefer those tires for the street stocks. I really do. Absolutely. I, I absolutely prefer them. They last forever. They last forever. I like a tire for these cars that really kind of sucks when you get it off the truck and you got to kind of run them in a few laps and get them, you know, to work again because they're too greasy. Then once they get some age in them, then they start to grip. And then you can basically run them until they're bald. And it saves us a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort. And I've never been a fan of Hoosiers because they have to create the tire rule because they're good right off the truck and people would just buy them every single week. And if they did that, then the cost goes up. And if you want to win, you're buying tires every week and you're just blowing your budget on tires. And I mean, I don't fault Hoosier for that because they're used to making like super late model and modified tires where they're just going to run them one week and be used, used up anyway. They've been having a soft compound since the, since the tire wars in the nineties. Yeah, I mean that's just how they do things. It's a competitive, it's a competition thing. So I'm not saying I hate them because they fail a lot or anything like I mean, that. I'm just saying that's yeah. just how it is. And you know? I understand. I mean, with the yeah. American Racer tire, I I won I won a feature with with a right rear tire that was bald. Yeah, with cords. on the cords. Yeah, with cords. I I won with a right front that had a blister in it. 
Yeah. And I just ran it until the blister wore itself out. <laughs> so they're good tires. I really love them. I'm glad Waterford's still running them because I really think it's the right thing to do with these types of cars. I'm not saying that they're the right choice for any other division. I know the ACT runs on an American Racer tire, but it's just, it, again, it's just a really unfortunate circumstance for everybody. And if there's going to be changes that happen at short track level, you know, there's always going to be a tire manufacturer thing that, that when somebody else comes in, like they had at Waterford one year where they switched the late models to Hoosiers and they got no car counts when they ran the ACT tire and all this other stuff. And I mean, it's just, it, like I said, it's always going to happen. So it, it's, yeah. once you the get over both ways. Yeah. When, and the, the one thing I'm worried about with the Hoosiers, not that I hate Hoosiers, but uh, if, if they don't put a tire rule in place like Stafford has, it's going to be whoever spends the most money on tires. Those tires are worth a tenth to a tenth and a half right off the trailer. And we all know who's going to do it because we've been in the division for so long that we know who's going to be able to afford those tires. Yep. You know. I mean, I did it with American Racers. I, I, it's probably not the best thing to do, but I felt they were worth a little bit, and my car ran best, and I ran stickers almost every single race I ran. Yeah, they didn't have a tire rule either, and I'm surprised your yeah. car actually ran better on stickers because mine sucked on stickers. <laughs> but like after two weeks of running them in practice, the tires were mint, and that car would put down some serious lap times. Well, I think running 550s in the nose helped a little bit too. <laughs> well, yeah, that does help a little bit. But again, I, I it it's always going to happen when you change management. So I mean, it's just one of those things you got to get through. If you're a racer and you're serious about racing. Expect to spend some money on tires. I mean, that's just how it is. You know, you don't, once you get over, it's like buying a race car in general. Once you get over the initial investment, you basically can just cruise. And the same thing with tires. You just buy, you know, you take the hit, you you blow, you know, a grand or 1500 bucks if you're racing a sportsman, obviously, on a set of tires and you know, a couple spares and just kind of run them. And then once you get rolling and you start to get a little bit of time on them and, they implement the right tire rule like they should, like at Stafford. I think, what is it, one tire a week for our division? Uh, yeah, at Stafford, it's one tire a week. Uh, you can buy, I think, six tires or eight tires at the beginning of the year, and you can hold eight in your inventory. And for every race completed, you get one tire credit. Okay. So, yeah, all right. So, anyway, why don't we move on to actual topics this week? Because <laughs> we're already 15 minutes in. Um of course, again, like last week, I mentioned that putting out a podcast at a certain date every week always kind of affords you to being on the wrong end of news reporting and stuff. Well, we put out a word that, hey, Keith Rocco's got a ride in an ARCA Series race, or ARCA East race, I should say, at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And then literally the day we dropped that podcast, they canceled the ARCA East race at New Hampshire that he was going to be in. So, again, we are on the wrong side of history, and we have to report week-old news two weeks in a row, at least. So, yeah, that that race got canceled. I don't know what's going to happen for Keith and his Arca East ride. Hopefully he gets it somewhere else. Maybe they'll come up again somewhere. I don't know. But, again, wrong side of history for us. And I also need to make a correction as to last week's episode. Last week I reported on the fact that Seekonk had announced that they were canceling the remainder of their season due to COVID restrictions in place by Rhode Island, Massachusetts, etc. 
Well, they canceled their Saturday season. They did not cancel their Fast Friday season, which I believe is still ongoing. So if you are interested in going, or at least pretending you're a crew member <laughs> at Seekonk to go see a Fast Friday race, because I don't even know if they're allowing people in the well, stands. Well, what's the reasoning? Why Why did they do one and not the other? I, uh, I don't I think, understand. I think they went through their rosters and figured out that a lot of people doing the Fast Friday shows are like not going to be hurt as bad by the COVID restrictions as they are on their Saturday night shows. So they're probably allowing that to continue because of some reasoning. I don't know. That's just what I have going in my head. I don't think they have to pay them a purse either. Right. They also don't have to pay them a purse and whatever comes in the back gate will pay their taxes for the year and keep the damn track open. So I think they're thinking long-term on this one and they're they're really not making much money doing this, but no. Whatever they have to do to keep the place open is totally fine with me. So whatever you got to do. I've noticed that a lot of guys that race the Saturday shows are actually buying Legends cars and they're running on the Friday nights, <laughs> which is kind of cool. funny. I've yeah. seen uh, Corey, uh, what the hell's his name? Corey, Corey Fanning Fan. bought, yeah, Corey Fanning bought one. I think Jake Johnson pulled his out. That's like these guys are all coming and racing Legends cars now, which is kind of funny. I'm like, hey Corey's man, get been running his at the speed bowl as well, and he's been doing really, really well with it. Yeah, they've been doing pretty well. I mean, you must think it's just a, a go kart on crack, which is what someone told me once. So I've never raced one. Jesse's driven one before. Yeah, Corey's pretty... a hell of a shooter too. Yes, he can be. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as long as he keeps his head on straight, he can go anywhere he wants. You know, normally he does. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say that. I, you know, what's funny is I, I, I've had enough adult beverages to start remembering stories and stuff. But I never but, had a problem with them. No, I never did either. But yeah. when I've we seen some shit, <laughs> yeah. uh, what was it? Two years ago when we had that three wide crashing each other finish at the World Series. Was that two years ago? Me, Waterman, and Fanning. Yeah, that was the year after I won. That was that two. Was it was eighteen, right? That yes. was seventeen. Uh, no, 18 was the one where we crashed each other coming across the line, I think. But, um, yeah, uh, Fanning won, t- thought he'd won the year before, and I think he got thrown out for the carb spacer, and that gave it, oh, to, Van, right. that gave it to Van Pelt. Which was a bullshit thing. Yeah, it really was. Because I got popped on it earlier, t- uh, earlier that year, too. I mean, it was bullshit. It was the rule, but uh, whatever. Hey, w- if it was earlier in the year, they probably wouldn't have thrown him out. They should have just said that we were trying something, you know, like some of the SK Light Motors. What sucks about it is that that part number. I know this is a complete aside, but we're telling stories here. But that part number for that carb spacer is uh, eighty five oh sixty five S. Yeah, and the the legal part number is eighty five oh sixty five. So you, it's easy to really see how you could get confused. You know, so I don't I don't really think they were they should have gotten thrown out for that. But the year after is what I'm talking about. It here. makes point two horsepower more, maybe. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make any difference. It makes nothing. <laughs> it really doesn't. Um but no, the year after was when we had that wild finish with me and, and Waterman and Fanning coming across the line crashing each other and Waterman's on top of the wall and stuff and Fanning gets to the line first. Well he comes down and he's he's carrying that really awesome like gas pump trophy. And he's got his old man with him. And I look at him and I said, hey, they let you keep this one? <laughs> I think Scott was kind of pissed at me for saying that. <laughs> but, no, it was funny. I thought they, I think they thought it was funny. But, yeah, Corey's a good kid. I like racing with him. It was a good time. He actually he, fell out. He's a, he's a legitimate Seacock racer. Yeah. Well, the way he races is 100% Seacock all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's entertaining. 
Yeah, he went there after uh, doing some. I think they fell out with Thompson for some reason, and they went there for the last few years. And he's done nothing but like pick it up quick and excel. And I think he won the title last year in the street stocks. And uh, yeah, they've been really good, and they've got really like old equipment too. I think his car is like twenty plus years old that they've been using. Like they they just make it work. I mean, kudos to you guys. You know. Um, well, that's that's where the Fannings are from. That you know, that's where Scott used to race. That's where they came up. So, hey, whatever works for you. You know, I'd love to race at Seekonk. Seekonk oh. is one of those places that's a, it's like a Waterford. Um, you don't really need to learn how to drive there. You learn how to race there. There's a big exactly. difference between driving and racing. Yeah, Thompson, you gotta you gotta have balls. You gotta be able to throw that thing in, and uh, definitely top and bottom and. And you really got to learn how to drive a race car at Thompson. But at Waterford Seaconk, uh, things happen quick, and they got to race. And yeah. that is that is the, you got to get in there. So, yeah, I mean, I was having this discussion literally with Phil like an hour before we started the podcast. And I'm saying, hey, um, I think that a short track is where you learn how to drive. But, but like, or no, where you learn how to race. I'm sorry. A short track is where you learn how to race, but a bigger track is where you learn how to drive. And that's because you got more speed and you're not cool. dealing with as much, like, uh, what's it called? Like tight Insanity? pack. Yeah, like tight pack racing and quick, you know, things happen quickly. Like, I remember racing at Waterford, like my second ever sportsman race I ever ran. Anybody need a beer? Me. Oh, get beer. I need Charlie, one. You good? I'll take one. Okay. All right, we'll mail you one. Um, but no, my second dry ice, it'll stay cold. I think we could do it. I've worked for the post office. It's not like we've never done that with like meat and stuff. I've mailed uh, Jägermeister. <laughs> perfect. But no, my second race ever was at Waterford in a sportsman and I didn't have the right brake pads and I had stock brake pads and my right front tire was a Comanche. It wasn't even a 790 Hoosier. It was like eight or nine years old. And I think I finished 12th out of 24 cars, but it was a, it was amazing the difference of racing a shorter track like that than racing at something big like at Thompson. Like at Thompson, things happen in kind of slow motion, but you're going really fast. At Waterford, everything fa- happens instantaneously on top of you, but you're you know you're not going as fast. It just feels like you're going fast. So you learn you learn spatial awareness and racing at smaller tracks, but you you learn how to drive at the bigger ones because you got to be able to really manhandle a car anyway why don't we move on to uh some local results maybe i can get some uh feedback from phil on some things here while he's down there because he knows these racers (laughs) right so i might as well go into some stafford results all right so i don't know if you know much about this kid phil but derek debis he picked up, I think it was his third win as a rookie in the SK Lights. I think that's the old uh, Brian Narducci 01 car that he's racing for Todd Owen. And he's, that, like I said, that's his third win this year already. So, do you know anything about him? I don't know anything about the kid, but for the, the brief time I was helping Larry Barnett this year in the street stocks uh, before I came down here, and watching Debus every single week, he's smart beyond his years as a racer for a kid of his age and experience level. Watching him carve through traffic is pretty impressive considering his age. Yeah, 
Now, Jesse and I both grew up watching his dad race late models at Waterford. This is true. Kevin Debus. Camaro Science number 58. Those His cars were always immaculate. Mm-hmm. Like, they were beautiful cars. I just, That's all I really remember. I remember him having some success here and there and stuff. But, yeah, his cars were always spotless. I loved his cars. So he picked up the win. Uh, point leader Alexander Pearl came into this weekend with a 72-point lead, which is huge. However, it's not that big anymore because he didn't make it past lap two, and he apparently finished second to last. I don't really know what happened again. I can't. He lost the right front. I was. We were talking to him today. He delivers some parts over at the shop. Oh, does he work for? Uh, who's he work for? Oh, he delivers parts for Big A. That's Darling, what I was going to say. Darling Auto Parts. Yeah, that's right. Which Jeez, makes that's sense. That's the family business. Dummy. Yeah. God, I'm slow, huh? Right. No. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. did he lose the right He's front? He's still having a 34-point lead. It's a pretty good-sized lead. It's a safe lead. It's not a secure lead, but it's, it's like, a safe lead. It's like a two-goal lead in hockey. Yeah, it's dangerous. <laughs> it's the most dangerous lead in hockey or the most dangerous lead in racing, but it's something that you'd rather have than, than go up against. Yeah. So he's the, just got to be clean and consistent the rest of the year, and he'll be fine. The kid's got a good head on his shoulders, and if he's anything like his dad, he'll be pretty cool and, and calculating. So, you know, Absolutely. I've never I've never seen anything really outrageous out of the kid. So, as long as he keeps the thing together mechanically, I I think he'll have enough to to hang on. But we'll see. We got a lot of weeks left here. We got at least six or seven weeks, I think. Right. So, moving on. I let's see. Late models. Adam Gray picked up another win. So this is actually kind of reminding me of when he originally came down to Stafford from, like, Monadnock. And I know he's a part of, like, I think his dad is Barry Gray or one of the Grays. And so these guys, have a, they have a long lineage in full-fendered cars. And I know he came down and, like, kicked ass at, at Stafford a few years ago and won a title there and then, like, just kind of bailed out again and just left and then finally came back this year. But, yeah, he's picked up, like, two or at least three or maybe even four wins now in the late models. It's weird seeing him win instead of Fern win every week. It's like Tommy it's, Fern it's has weird. not won yet this year. That is that is just beyond me. It is crazy. Like, yeah. he, Tommy, You're like, so good. last year, I don't think it's that Tom has slowed down. I think everybody else is kind of caught up. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, like Tom has had the lead a few times this year and just not been able to do anything with it. And, and well, like, he, he kind of got taken out by his own nephew one race. Is that his nephew? Uh, I think, I think Ryan's his nephew because that's Stu's kid. Oh, it's Stufford's so, kid. And I believe Stu is his brother. Oh, okay. I don't think it was anything intentional. I think it was just really good, hard racing and it just, it, it didn't end well. I, for some dumb reason, I just thought that that was his kid. For some, I don't know. No. Okay. I didn't. I have no. no I don't pay any attention, so I just don't mind. Ryan me. and Alex are both Stu's kids. Oh, okay. Well, it makes sense, but yeah, I mean, it's a family thing, so. That's like, yeah. That's really going to be an awful. That's going to be a really uh, awkward Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was terrible. Yeah, that was really bad. <laughs> Yay! Okay. So, all right. Limited late models. Um, I didn't buy... You know, I give the limited late models so much flack on this show. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, I, I've stopped giving... You know, I've stopped giving out the car counts every week. I've stopped saying they should be late models. 
I mean, I'm saying it right now, but don't pay any attention. Can we to just that. call them the diet late models? Diet models, <laughs> got it. Yeah, well, I don't think we same call- great taste but less filling. It's literally actually, the it's same not really thing. that great taste. It's like aspartame. <laughs> it's like watching the Thompson modifieds again. Um, Stafford does a lot of things right, but let's just get rid of these things, please. You really went there with the Thompson mods, didn't you? Uh, yes, sir, I did. That was cold blooded. Come on, are we not? Are we all not? <laughs> am I the only one who can say it? <laughs> That's what the... I actually. So when I first moved up here in 2010, I really enjoyed watching the Thompson mods until they got down to like six car fields. Well, they've only ever hit a peak of like ten. So well, they had some in the beginning, but Dicky Dubois would uh, debate that. Dicky would debate anything. <laughs> We know that. That's what the limited sportsman division is going to be like when you turn it into crate models. No, actually, we're doing pretty good with them. (laughs) Not now, but soon. Oh, cry me a river. Just go buy one and stop being a bitch. Um, So Andrew Durand picked up, I think, his third or fourth win or whatever. I don't know. There's like like eight or ten cars, and they could all win at any given time. But this guy seems to have it down. Uh, They should just give him four barrels and um, let him race his late models. Tech is shocks. They had four <laughs> barrels. They took it away. Right. They should give them back and then make them late models. <laughs> so good enough. Yes. Yeah. That's all, all I'm saying. Yes. He's okay. got gear oil in the left front shock. There, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> Not everything is shocks, Jesse. Yes, it what's is. It's magic. That, Jesse? What's that, Bill? I said, what's wrong with gear oil in the left front, uh, right front shock? Oh, I would want it in the left front. To be I, I said left front. <laughs> left front. Yeah. What's wrong with it? Oh, that I I think uh, nothing. Nothing. Is that illegal? What? If you can't rebuild your shocks, it is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you don't have to rebuild it to drill a hole a hole in it and then reweld it. Listen, don't tell us about that. Okay, we've already um, not, no, we've already not done that no. before. So <laughs> I'm not doing it again either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough drink wait, tonight. Wait till I get back there. It's gonna be just. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm just gonna drive, take the trophy, and drive off the oh, parking man. lot with it. I can't wait <laughs> to get out of debt because I'll buy just the crate motor just so he goes. Wow, this I've actually got horsepower. <laughs> Here's my face when I go down the straightaway. What do you say, Mister Scream? We should definitely have another crate debate. <laughs> totally. Yeah, we should, but it would be all just largely the same. It would just end the same way. I don't know. I have some new opinions on uh, how the rules have progressed at Thompson as far as the the headers. I think with the headers on the crate motors and manifolds on the built motors, put two barrels on both, it would be a pretty good show. You know, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Or they could just give the open motors a four-barrel <laughs> Let's get some horsepower. We should save this. Over, he doesn't want to make the cars any faster. No, 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 no. If you overpower the rear tires on any race car, it will always make the show better, no matter what. Do not disagree. Always. always. Because it puts it back in the driver's hands. If you don't overpower the rear tires, it won't be a good show. Then you get limited late models and Thompson mods. Or 410. Series. Four ten sprint car motors for every division. Fuck it. <laughs> run what, just run what you brung, but you got to run a seven inch tire. There, rules fixed. 
There, we saved auto racing again. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we were a part Is of that this, the Phil. Thirteenth time. Uh, at least uh, ten or ten or twelve, probably. Uh, it's usually uh, every week. See, it's almost every week. A saving racing, one episode at a time. Anyway, I think we're at Stafford still. I think we got a little sidetracked. We're at the <laughs> SK Modifieds and SKs. Something. Correct. We haven't even gotten through all of them. Jesus, it's not even the last one. SKs. Keith Rocco Good, came away with the win. He came into this race, I believe, with a two-point edge over Todd Owen, and Todd got wrecked before halfway, and Keith extended his point lead to now 38 over now second place Ronnie Williams, who was the defending champion. I don't have any much more to say about that because I don't, I don't know. I didn't watch the race. So <laughs> that's all I, I can only report on the facts. That's all I got. So anyway, I pretty much lied to the Stafford group because I said as soon as I would move down here, I would be watching it every week, and nope. Hey, you know, unless you're a die, die, die hard race fan, a hundred bucks a month ain't too bad because that's all you're spending on racing. But when you own race cars like we do, and you have to take that hundred bucks and maybe put it into fuel for the month or whatever other parts you got laying around. A hundred bucks on watching racing alone is kind of difficult in the whole budget, and you know, especially as a family man. Is Stafford paying for Phil's money. mortgage? No, well, you got to be home too. I haven't even been home. Yeah, you've got a brand new damn house too. I'd be in there like twenty four seven. I've been stuff. all over the place, sir. You've probably been working as soon as you got down there. Working, yeah, moving on. friends' cars with the trailer because I'm the friend with the trailer now. Oh, you got to put a big oh, sticker no. on it that says, yes, I have a truck. No, you can't help you move. <laughs> Especially if you got a trailer. Good God. It's like people will call you everywhere. Hey, can you help me move this? You got a trailer. It's like, yeah, I got one. Yeah, but Phil's not tired of it. moving at all. Yeah, right? You only no, drove 30 all. plus hours down there. That's right. You know what you should do? You should move back. <laughs> <laughs> to what? Higher taxes, crappy <laughs> weather, and like no Terrible racing. House? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do have better racing up here. Sorry. Sorry, we do. Is Florida coming back? Florida is actually impressively good right now. It's coming it, back. Uh, so when I moved up he, up there in 2010, uh, I moved up there for family reasons, but also because racing down here was struggling severely. Uh, in the past 10 years, it's rebounded really nicely. Yeah, because I remember watching races and there was just crap fields, like no counts. And I, you know, it, it looks like it's coming back. I mean, it looks like even all the little divisions and stuff are coming back. So hopefully it does. I'd like to see Florida come back. I mean, they're, you know, warm weather all year round. You get racing all year round. Come on, bring the cars out. Do it. There's some nights that we need to put uh, pontoons on the race cars, but we won't talk about that. Well, get a pure stock and put street tires yeah, on Yeah, well, that's what get you get for it. living in a hurricane country. <laughs> that's Phil. Florida don't get hurricanes. Louisiana does. No. Yeah. Texas does now, apparently. Roger, you say yeah. hi. Go ahead, hi, boy. Phil. Hi, Rog. Hi, how are you doing? Excellent. Good. <laughs> okay. Ask him about all the spiders he sees down there. <laughs> no? All right, Has cool. Has a snake eaten you yet? <laughs> I have not seen a single no probe yet. Have you been eaten by an alligator? <laughs> <We got bugs>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so to round out the night, I, I think it was to round out the night at Stafford last Friday, 
Chris Meyer went to victory lane in the street stocks. It was his first win in three years, surprisingly for him. Um, I was going to comment on his stuff on Facebook that he posted after he won. I was going to say, oh, about time. About time you won something. But I didn't want to be that guy. <laughs> no, I did that instead. Yeah, I figured I'd leave it to you. But no, it's just, you know, after watching him dominate at, like, Waterford for so long, and he's had some relative success at Thompson. I know he hasn't. I don't think he's broken through for a win quite yet, but he's been very, very close. He doesn't race there all the time either. It's really hard to be successful somewhere if you don't race there and all the time. And he had an open motor, and they're racist against the open motor. Yeah, I mean, he finally got a – I think he finally got a crate, like, last year or something. So it's, it takes, like, a year to figure out the crate, too, and it's just hard to figure out stuff. And obviously he has one because it went to Stafford. But um, then he's at Stafford, and he had – he had the first race of the year locked up and he got spun out in the last corner and it just sucked for him because it's like, I mean, you could see the checkered flag and then all of a sudden you're backwards and he's just been battling and battling the whole time. And he's finally broke through for that win. And that's cool. It's, it's, it's gotta be a good feeling to go and win at multiple racetracks because it's a real validation. You know, I just want to be able to race at multiple racetracks at this point. <laughs> I got something to say about this race because I watched a little bit of it online. Go ahead. And um, Megan Fuller had finished second, you know, a good run after coming back after getting totaled. Yeah, that's our boy Joe Plonsky's car. That's right. And um, and you know something, she was, uh, it looked like she was faster than Chris Meyer. And at the end, you know something, the, the elephant that stood out in the room that really roared loud was, uh, she was faster. By a good way. Yeah, we've and you know yeah. what happened? We've seen she it. didn't take him out. Isn't that weird? Isn't why should we be surprised about that? Why should we be surprised that someone that is faster than the leader didn't take him out on the last lap like an asshole? Yeah, isn't that weird? I, I mean, she didn't run into him and she didn't knock him out of the way and she didn't like ruin his night. Isn't that yeah, weird? Yeah, and didn't want to start fights and with their old mans and shit. You know, it, no, she she didn't get to the front first. Chris took a slower car, got to the front first and won. You know, kudos to him because, you know, that's awful damn hard to do. Okay, but, you know, Megan Fuller settled for second. And that's almost like admirable in this day and age. Okay, because well, listen. I think- the other thing that's more impressive than even that to me is the fact that she lost power steering about halfway through the race. And, and she's not big holy at shit. all. Yeah, she's a, a twig. So for her to muscle that car the way she did is really impressive. And She's probably you know, five, oh God. four, and 100 pounds soaking wet. She had to use uh, her leg and stuff, too. Calling her fat. Is that? I'm right. sorry. I, I'm sorry. That's a, if that's an insult, I apologize. <laughs> She she is has turned into one hell of a driver. She I've could had have blamed a it on run-ins with her in the past myself, and that was just rookie growing pains on kind of on both of our parts at the time. Um, I would agree. But she is smart. She's smooth. She's consistent, and she's really freaking fast. You know who you know mm-hmm. who takes all the credit for helping mold her into a good racer. All of us in the sportsman division at Thompson. (laughs) (laughs) If she could race with us animals, she could race anywhere. That's what I. That's what that's. I like to take that credit and spread it out amongst us because Um, uh, let's be fair. 
we are animals of adoption. I'm just glad she's not one of those kids that that uh, you know thinks that you, they could just you know hide behind their old man like so many other drivers do. They hide behind their old man, or they hide behind their kids, or they hide behind their massive amount of pit crew. Okay, you guys know who I'm talking about. Okay, and and a just lot of those. they they you know. Oops. It's one well, of those things where I just think, like, you know, I'm just glad she's not, she just be, becomes herself, okay? And is not trying to be like a Dale Earnhardt or a Pouty right. Burns or something like that. Because guess what? You're not intimidating. None of these motherfuckers are intimidating. So and, and credit to Rick God as damn. well, because Rick allows her to be the driver that she is. He, he coaches her, he tells her, you know, you did this wrong or, or you should probably try this differently. But he allows her to learn and grow as a racer herself. And I think that's something that's lost today. And he's doing fathers out there that tell their, their kid, Oh, if he, if he touches you drive through him and wreck him. That's probably because he was a hell of a driver himself. And he knows a lot about driving and he did good and the bad. And he did the right thing by making her learn on a division where it's really not easy to drive. If you just tuck her and stuck her into a modified, like an SK light when she was still wet behind the ears, she might not even know a lot of the things that she knows now. She's probably learning a hell of a lot by racing these lower division cars. And it's probably translating into a lot of talent base that she's been building over the last few years. So it's really something positive. I mean, you look at Rocco, he cut his teeth in these cars too. A lot of these guys back in the old days would cut their teeth on like old bomber cars and sportsman cars like us and or at least the equivalent division and they'd cut you know they'd learn their skills and hone them before they got into something big nowadays you got kids with a whole shitload of money and they just go jump in whatever super late model or modified or whatever's hanging around and they don't learn the basic skills of car control and patience and you know just basic and really fundamental aspects of driving a race car that are necessary to be successful and especially not only successful but respectful as well. But yeah. Teddy, I don't. The other kids have a super late model. But Teddy, as you bought down the road, has a super late model. I want to have a super late model, Daddy. With your salmon colored shorts. With my salmon colored shorts. <laughs> I knew tie oh, but I, I think, yeah. I think also a lot of credit should go to Jimmy Fuller as well, because he is a very very smart guy when it comes to setups, and he has that car absolutely hooked up for her. Yeah, Jimmy is not an idiot. Let's be fair. I mean, the guy, no. the guy is a very instrumental part at TFR. He's very, very intelligent when it comes to race car setups. And if he's going to give someone help, it better be a family member. Let's be well, fair. But, that's yeah. a scary last name to go up against. I'm sorry. I've always they're damn good. I've always I loved racing. I gloss over the the Chris Meyer thing either. I do have my two cents to put in on that. And when I again when I first moved. Down, uh, up there and started going to the speed bowl, uh, he was a wild man. I mean, he was a pinball, bouncing off of everybody, wrecking people, not intentionally, but just inexperienced. And watching him grow as a driver, he, I'd love to see him in a late model or, or a modified. I think he could really do big things moving up now. Yeah, what's funny is that uh, people don't really know, but Jesse and I, know the Myers 
from like before those kids got driver's licenses. Like we've known them quite a long time. And to, I'm, obviously after we started racing together, we've not had the greatest, like I'd say racing relationship, but we still know that we're all decent people. And yeah, we've been pretty good. No, yeah, we're fine. It's just that we have differing philosophies on racing and that happens sometimes. And that's just how it is. But to watch how Chris progressed over his career and to see what he's been capable of now, it's been pretty amazing to watch because if you are a racer and you don't progress, then you're not a good racer. To watch him, I was there the night he won his first race. And to watch where he came from then to where he is now, he's a track champion at Waterford. He's won a ton of races. He's won at multiple tracks now. He's a contender at Thompson any given night now. And it's just, it's really, you know, it's it's special to watch, especially when you get new people coming in and watch what they can become over time. So it's it's been fun to watch. I know he's got a lot of time ahead of him, too, racing, so it'll be fun to watch down and the road. He's there to well, make so. enemies. Nope. And I think it's only a matter of time, too, before he wins at Thompson. I, I know he's kind of been snake bit up there uh, so far, but um, he's always in the mix. Always. Yeah, he's been very close many, many times. Many times. I know there's a bunch of Waterford guys who have a lot of talent who can absolutely just slay at Waterford and can contend at Stafford. Like, you look at Al Stone, the guy can absolutely kill Waterford. He can he can definitely contend at Stafford. But Thompson, it's just like these guys go to Thompson and it's they can compete. They can definitely compete. They can top five any day of the week. But getting that win is tough. And, you know, I could probably go to Waterford and really get hammered by these guys. You know what I mean? I have success at Thompson. I've won a handful of races. Jesse's won a ton of races. But we go walk down to Waterford, and if we're not racing there, we don't really know the line. We don't know all that stuff. So it's it's really kind of – it's just so difficult. We have so many different tracks and different types of uh, tracks with different – like layouts and stuff and it's really just kind of difficult for it to you know to translate to every single place so yeah i mean if you can contend everywhere then you've really got something going for you you know speaking of waterford they canceled much yeah they canceled early this week which was a good call because since i work on saturdays down at the shoreline near waterford i can tell you personally that yes it did rain all day so Nobody could really contest the fact that they canceled early. <laughs> so sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it rains, as uh, Paul Root would say. I believe that's what he said. Moving on, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stay as local as I can, regardless of what my notes tell me. Uh, Justin Bonsignor went back to victory lane. I think it was his third win of the season at the tour race at Monadnock. And I'm glad to see Monadnock getting so much uh, love lately. They've been getting tri-track races and open modified races. And now the tour has finally come back to Monadnock. It's been a long time since they've come back. And yeah, Justin came away with the win. So I think he's won, I think it's like 50% of the races this year on the tour. So he's really kicking ass, like picking up where he left off, to be completely honest. I think he didn't uh, need the bumper either. What's that? 
You didn't need to use the bumper either, like everybody else seems to lately. I think I watched the last race or the last lap or last two laps of that race uh, on a, a recap video. I think it was on speed51.com or something. But yeah, he was pretty much on his own uh, zip code. He was just kind of out there riding, just making laps. Basically, he was on his own. He didn't have to dive bomb anybody or run anybody all over the racetrack. And Manadnock's uh, one of those dive bomb tracks. You send it in on the bottom, hit the bumps. And just slam somebody out of the way. But no, he didn't have to do that. He just ran away. It's just a car that was way better than anybody else. So and that seems to be the trend with the fifty one. They're either on or they're top five. <laughs> it's really hard to beat them. Aww. So yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I wish I could be like that. Usually I'm up if I have a good car, I usually end up over top of somebody or like use getting a flat tire. <laughs> I should be top five. Anyway keep the ball rolling here this weekend was the oxford 250 and i know that they usually run two day weekends but uh they had to bring it down to one day because of i believe they had a rainstorm come through on saturday so they pushed everything over to one day and they usually have little uh pre and post race events actually no i think the 250 is the last race of the night but they run like uh I forget how many divisions they run, but I know they run the ACT race. That's a 150 before that race, and they run, like, four-cylinder cars and street stocks and stuff like that. But they probably started pretty early in the morning because they had to do all the qualifying on one day, and they had to get everything done. But uh, Jimmy Hebert won the ACT 150 precursor to the Oxford 250. Uh, I believe I actually mentioned him on the show here uh, a couple episodes ago. But, yeah, he came away with the win up at Oxford Plains. And the feel-good story, honestly, of the short track year so far is Johnny Clark won the Oxford 250. It was his first win in 14 career starts and his first attempt at the Oxford 250. I think he's been running it every year, but you, this is by far one of the hardest races to ever qualify for. And a good note on that is um, Travis Benjamin, right? I think he's won the race like three times and he started dead last in this edition of the Oxford 250 because he had to come through the LCQ and I think he got DQ'd and they had to come through on a provisional. So this race is incredibly difficult to even qualify for. But Johnny Clark's first attempt at the Oxford 250. I think Ray Christian won the B main. No, he won the, I think he won the LCQ. Friend of the podcast. Yeah, he won the LCQ. Friend of the podcast, Ray Christian III, he won yeah. the LCQ. He made he it in made the Oxford 250. That's awesome. I wish... That's a big deal. That's my like life goal right now, is to just participate in the Oxford 250. I just want to go drive it once, you know? But anyway, Johnny Clark's first attempt... I've been trying to get at this for like five minutes. <laughs> but his first attempt at the Oxford 250 was in 1997. So when you watch him get out of that car, he's got gray hair. Like watching Johnny Clark win that race for the first time in how many years he's tried to win well, that Good job. Go, go get him gray pubes. 23 years Johnny Clark has been trying to win the Oxford 250. He's made 14 starts in it, and he finally won. And let me be honest and tell you, that car is beautiful. So, congrat <laughs> so <laughs> congratulations to Johnny Clark. Um 
that's just a fantastic effort. I mean, it, it's got to feel good. I mean, that's that's a lifetime accomplishment. I mean, if you can win the Oxford 250 as a... A lot of cars go there. Oh, 60, 70, 80. Probably more cars, cars. Than, than their people in town. Hey, Bubba Pollard was there. I mean, you got guys who are big names coming up to run this race. I mean, big, big names. It's a goal. <laughs> How big is that track? Is that a three-eighths? Ah, uh, man, it's either Pushing three-eighths it. or a quarter. It. God, oh Oxford's a tiny track. I saw a stat on Twitter that blew my mind that they started 44 cars yesterday. They did. Yes, they did start 44 cars. That's like that's like an enduro. It was, it was 42 and I think two provisionals. Which they probably were halfway around the damn racetrack. So yeah, that's just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I can't imagine that many cars on that small of a track. Well, you're also going to factor in all the attrition that's going to happen because guys are going to be racing hard. You get, right. Yeah. It's because they don't want to go a lap down. If they go a lap down, you're screwed. Forty-four cars that Thompson's pushing it. You know, I used to get you guys used to start fifty. We had fifty-six <laughs> cars one time. Yeah, that was in amazing. Our division. Yeah. I God, love that. I started 34th one night, and I remember looking up to the field, and I was like, Jesus Christ, how am I going to pass all these cars? You know what's really funny is when you're sitting that far back and you look ahead of you, you're like, oh, it's not that far away. But oh, no, wait. I thought there was a thinking, sea of like, cars. But then you start thinking, oh, my God, that's a lot of cars. In 2001, I started the World Series of Thompson 29th. I finished fifth. <laughs> that was a yeah. hell I started hell, 34th and finished ninth, and I thought that, that felt like a win. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, watching Jesse. It was that 2000. He did that. 2000, 2001, I think. Yeah, watching Jesse carve left and right through cars down the straightaway, passing people with. I think it was what Diego Monahan was ahead of you, and you guys just linked up and was like snaking we were, through the field. We just, yeah, we just kind of had like our own little tandem draft going on. It, it was, was kind of fun. That was a ball. And you ripped Cliffy's door off. How much of your right front fender was left after that race? Not yeah. much, because he ripped Cliff Goman's door off in that race. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did, and then he gave me the what the fuck arms with his stupid neon hair, <laughs> and then I gave him the you know I'm gonna you know go jerk me off symbol you know or something. Hey, leave, leave Cliffy alone. I know, but he started it. <laughs> Cliffy's a good dude. I know he's a good dude and a hell of a fabricator. Oh, he's know? fantastic oh, fabricator. I would oh, definitely God. drink beer with the guy. Oh yeah, I'd buy him beer. Absolutely. All right, so why don't we move into? <laughs> Stuff we know nothing about, which is the National Series races. Oh, excuse me. To close this thing out. Uh, Justin Haley won a messy Daytona Xfinity Series race after teammates Ross Chastain and A.J. Allmendinger tangle on the last turn of the last lap. So what do you guys think about that? I don't know. I knew you guys If I was the team it, owner, I would probably choke Ross Chastain in the throat. But was his move incorrect? Because he went to the bottom no. and stayed. No, but you know you got to figure the other guy's going to come down and try to block. You have to kind of anticipate that too. And yeah, but your if job is not direct is is to win the race. You know you're not going to win the race if the guy blocks you when you're not there. Yeah, the but if you lift, you're not going to win either. Mm-hmm. If you lift, you're not going to win either. So I, I know, mean, but it's you just don't want to wreck cars. That's just kind of dumb. If too, I was so. the team owner, I would be choked. I would be pretty upset. But. I could kind of see it for both of the guys. I I feel for AJ trying to win the race. I feel for Ross trying to win the race. You know, I feel for the team owner. I feel bad but, for Ross because he's had to. He was like, damn you know, if he does, damn if he don't. And now he looks like a bad teammate. 
Yeah. You know, and that's kind of tough when you're trying to uh, ascend. I think we can all just agree on the fact that it kind of just, like, I know you hate this term, but it kind of is what it is. It's just like. I do hate that fucking term. (laughs) That's why I used it. God damn it. I didn't see that race live, but the end of the race from the the videos I saw, it looked like the end of a A-class fixed race. Man, I figured figured you would have been there. Yeah. I thought about it. You know how many? You know how many incident points they accrued? Probably uh, at least sixteen X in that one corner alone. I was gonna say twenty, but <laughs> holy shit! <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let's stick with Daytona here. The next mm. night, William Byron won the final regular season race at Daytona for the Cup Series. It was his first career Cup win. He won his way into the playoffs. Jimmy Johnson wrecked out late and missed the playoffs. Whereas Matt DiBenedetto, in his new ride, transferred into the playoffs with the last playoff spot. And I saw a lot of people online saying, DiBenedetto doesn't deserve to be there. I'm like, in what way does he not deserve to be there? It's like, stop being a bitter Jimmy Johnson fan and understand that he made it into the playoffs because of his finishes and his points. What's not, to, what's not deserving about that? I think they're pissed because Jimmy had the COVID test positive result, and uh, that 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 essentially cost him the champion the the a shot at the playoffs. Yeah, this is true. But you win if you're in, and he had a few races. He had quite a few races to do that, and uh, he had he didn't twenty-five win. races to win he didn't one. Get in, and you know what's something I wanted to just say. Uh, I really did want Jimmy Johnson to to get in this chase, and I really wanted him to actually win the title this year because every single time in the 2000s that NASCAR made a stupid rule change with regarding the championship, and they changed the rules here to do this, or the and then cars. they changed the rules to do this, or with the cars, he would go out and spank them and dominate, and it just made NASCAR just look. They stupid. changed the freaking cars like twice on him. He made and NASCAR he still won. <laughs> his team made NASCAR look stupid, and for that sole reason, I was a Jimmy Johnson fan. Yeah, exactly. Because he made them look just as dumb as they were. Yeah. Really did. But you know what? It wasn't meant to be, and I love Matty D. Go get a Matty D. I mean, to watch that guy, I mean, he's... Mm -hmm. I'm knocking my own microphone away here. To to watch the guy just come from, like, nothing and do something with... He he really, like, helped to build that Levine family racing car until Christopher Bell showed up, and and then Gibbs got involved, obviously. Um, He's a Horatio Alger novel. I mean, That's the guy the guy made something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Paul Menard really helped him out by saying, hey, hire this guy. And he, he he's, is, he's really had good finishes. I mean, obviously, it's his first it, year with a good team. He's not going to – he's probably not going to get a win. Everybody put really high expectations on him. They got to kind of peg that back a bit. I mean, the guy still needs time to gel and kind of mesh with his team and get the thing right. You know, he's he needs time. Look up, look up Horatio Alger. In, in history, he was a, a novelist about the uh, the underdog and whatnot, and and how they were uh, from low income how you know low income and it worked his way from the bottom to the top, and usually with like a fairy godfather or something like that. But if you look that up, that's him. That's basically what like Rocky is about, you know, the movie Rockies and stuff like that. Yeah, it's basically that kind of deal. It is kind of like a fairy tale, and they can't, you can't not root for the guy. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to it's hard to root against him right now. 
But we'll see what happens in the playoffs because that's coming up uh, this coming week, and I actually kind of like the races they got lined up. It's going to be a fun uh, three-race schedule. It's going to be some uh, short tracks in Darlington. It's going to be good. Uh, so on Sun, uh, Phil, you got anything to add about that? I might as well let you in on this. No, I mean, DiBenedetto is, to me, he's, as far as the Cup Series goes, uh, he's one of the very few that have earned their way up. Not many guys earn their way from a shit team to a good team. So it, it's good to see that feel-good story come to fruition, see him make it there. Um, I did not expect him to win this year. Uh, we still got 10 races to go. Maybe he'll steal one. Maybe they'll have – they've had some good runs. Uh, they're going to go back to a couple tracks where he was really, really good. Um, they're going next to Bristol, year, right? If he doesn't win two races yeah. next year, I don't expect him to keep that ride past that. He's got to win something next year, I think, yeah. to be fair. I think he has to win at least something. It's a performance-based sport. Even no matter what money you bring, you still got to perform. We'll yeah. see where he finishes in the points this year, but I think to determine that. If he finish, if he ends up finishing like top 10, top 5 in points, you know, it It'd may help him a little bit even more, you know. I, mean, look I think at, he'll make it to the round of 12, and that's where he'll stay. I mean, look at Ryan Newman. He's, you know, he's with a different team, and... I don't know the last time he's won something, but he manages to keep a team because he can finish in the points pretty much consistently. I mean, this year is a little different. He missed a lot of races. But, um, again, when he was with uh, RCR, he almost won the damn title without winning a race. So I, ro- I really rooted for him, and I really wanted him to do that oh, because God. it was going to make NASCAR look stupid. Yeah, that he, he would have pulled the Matt Crafton before Matt Crafton. Yeah. Speaking of trucks... Uh, Sheldon Creed won the truck race at Gateway Sunday uh, after contact with Todd Gilliland towards the end of the race. It wasn't really the very end of the race. Uh, that took Todd out of a chance to win. Todd was also probably one of the strongest trucks out there. Uh, my opinion on that incident was Sheldon's just a tough driver, you know, a hard racer, and he just kind of sent it in there, and he just kind of lost the back, caught it, and yep. he just... Drifted up into the 38. It was a little bit of aggressive move, and I'm sorry. <laughs> he just—I felt like he just overcooked it a little bit and lost the nose. Really? Yeah, it's just he lost it, chased it, and kind of got into him, and that's just the end of it. I mean, hopefully he puts it in the memory bank for later. But again, it's just aggressive racing. Uh, I can't really fault him too much for it. I was on the receiving end of it. I sure as hell would fault him for it quite a bit. But if I was also Sheldon Creed, I'd be like, well, it was just aggressive racing. So, <laughs> you know. Of course. Of course. I mean, we all know how it works. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I guess. sorry. I lied. <laughs> so I am out of notes for this week. Any final thoughts from anybody? I'll give it to the panel first. Jesse, where's your crickets drop? <laughs> oh, hold on. <laughs> oh, I don't have it. Well, Hail. I will say that hopefully soon, if it stops monsooning for 40 days and 40 nights, uh, maybe well, I can give Florida. you some updates on racing down here. I mean, it is Florida. When's Phil going to have his race, his uh, black car ready to go? It's not even at his house uh, yet. Uh, I need about 2500 bucks in parts. I need to get a fuel cell, uh, clutch, flex plate, all that stuff. Yikes. Uh, I got a carburetor that's going to be on its way from... My good friend Joe Brockett. 
And once that's done, I'm kind of aiming for speed weeks. Two barrel uh, or four barrel? Four barrel. Ah, gotcha. No, nothing like throwing yourself into the fire uh, onto one of the biggest stages in short track racing for your debut. Just Get go, you got the Batmobile, go bro. Series at New Smyrna Speedway. Well, you got the Batmobile, man. You got you're good, man. You got the Batmobile. It is rolling. Yeah, that car's got a lot of history. However, that car's got a lot of history, a lot of wins, a lot of championships. So it ain't gonna be the car. It's gonna be me if it sucks. However, I will say this. If you're uncomfortable with the car and the track, you could always do what you do as a rookie and start last and try to work your way forward and learn as you go. Because, That's what I'm going to do because anyway. Then, back, learn by passing cars. Because then you can, you know, keep yourself out of trouble as much as possible. You won't be in the way if you, you know. Dude, you're going to pick it up right away, bro, because that thing is like a go-kart. It's like a, a super <laughs> legend, man. I don't know about that. I mean, after you yeah, drive your street stock, and then you get into this thing? Are, they're not the easiest to drive, despite, you know, they've got big tires, straight rail car, they're lightweight, they've got some power, but you got to send them things into the corner at New Smyrna to be fast. And uh, Finding the edge is going to be the interesting part, because I've never driven a car that's going to be set up this way. All right. You stay at the bottom, baby. You're good. <laughs> Yeah, within a month, I should be out on the racetrack as well. My car is pretty much ready. Uh, I just brought mine in from the garage and over, from over to winter, so I'm good. Yeah, I, I keep offering Jesse the motor and rear end to go run Lee, but I think we're running out of time. Cause we I'm out of time. Out. i got too many cars and trees down in my fucking yard. Yeah. Jesse, go run Waterford, man. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. I keep offering him tires for that, too, and a transmission, so... I'm like, I'm like pushing parts. I keep pushing parts like a ch- like a chess table and just pushing them towards Jess. Like here, go run, go run races. But anyway, you can find this pod. Jesse, you got any last words? I'm sorry, I might as well let you do that too. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Well, I wanted to give it to the rest of the nah. floor here. So fair enough. I'm, I think I'm good, dude. I think I'm ready to put this know. one in the can. Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah. All right, so you Get can find and walk away. <laughs> I miss Phil. I you miss can... you too. So you can find this podcast on every major podcast platform. Like, subscribe, give us a rating, give us feedback. Go on iTunes and do whatever you got to do. I don't care. Um, you can find it on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast, Facebook dot com slash Making Laps Podcast. If you need some hints for where to listen to it, you can follow us on Facebook, and I'd usually drop a link for that. Or you can go to GleasonBrosRacing dot com and pick from one of five different links for listening platforms. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at the same handle at Brent Gleason zero one. Jesse doesn't want to be found on social media. Phil, where can they find you at? Uh, at P-J-A-C-Q-U-E-S Racing uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, even though I don't update any of them. Well, you haven't been racing, so why bother? Exactly. (laughs) But you will soon, so if anybody follows you, keep an eye out for that because the new car is coming home soon, and uh, hopefully Phil's Garage will be ready for it by the time it gets there, which we all know it won't be because no racer's garage is ever ready. Never. So... (laughs) I got the TV, but I don't have benches or shelves. Hey, the TV is very important to have. Absolutely. Trust me. Also, you, if you have air conditioning, that would also be really good, too. Which I Yeah, got. I don't have air conditioning, but I got lots of fans. 
Fair enough. How you plug in, not like actual racing fans. I'm a fan. <laughs> anyway, so until next time, keep the dirty side down and stay out of the fence. Thank you all for listening. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. <laughs>